Let's get ready to rumble. What's that? That's from the old UFC days. Oh, that's where that? it came Bruce from? Bu- yeah, you don't remember that? No. I'll forgive you, my love. Well, you better get ready to rumble. <laughs> oh, watch out. Okay, <laughs> so we are in week number five here of Summer in the Sermons. And if anyone's wondering why we're doing these, it's because it enabled us to record a couple extra episodes so that we could take a couple weeks and plan out season two, which we're going to be launching in mid-August. A whole new year and new guests and new topics and new, new, new. Say new enough? Yes. So today we're back for one more episode with the Susan Heck because this little clip on contentment is really special touching on our trials and teaching us that God uses these trials to train us and it's really an encouragement yes I heard this live and it is gold so I know you're ready my love Ethan are you ready summer in the sermons take five how dare you say that to me what did I say? I don't know, but how dare you? Really, the reason that I said let's get ready to rumble is because my wife has been picking on me here in what? the studio. Yes. Let's I'm tell everyone that you said to, I looked pregnant. <laughs> trying to work through the notes, <laughs> and you're abusing me. This is psychological yeah. abuse. I think everyone who knows us and would not believe you. you call yourself a biblical counselor. <laughs> don't actually. Oh, I did. I did this morning. <laughs> I think I used the word bloating. I don't think I said pregnant. Oh, yeah. You said you walked into the room and said, are you pregnant? Hey, you urban plates. You're loving it. Oh. Okay. (sighs) My love, why don't you set this up for us? Because you were there for this message. I'm still trying to get over you. Okay. This was in May. Susan did two sessions here at Mission Bible for about 350 women. The second session was on being content in all things. And in this clip, Susan details the type of excruciating conditions Paul was in, yet he didn't complain and he continued to trust God. And then she quickly makes the turn confronting all of us in our first world context. And she forces us to really reflect Mm -hmm. on how we handle trials, how we view trials and whether we're properly using them to grow like God intends. Got it. So everyone, here is Susan Heck, live at Fullness of Joy on the contentment in all things. Woohoo! And then he gives the reason why he was content. And it's not because he has a, you know, a bank account uh, at the Bank of Rome that he's looking forward to uh, digging into when he gets out of prison. But notice what he says. He says, because I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. The word learn here means to learn by experience, to learn by experience. Ladies, contentment doesn't come by osmosis, and I think we have to stop and realize that. I mean, the day my husband died, August 17th, um, at 1.23 in the morning, I just didn't immediately become content as a widow. I've had to learn, and I'm still learning. And this passage encourages me because contentment doesn't come by osmosis. We have to learn it. We have to learn it through the hardships of life. And as we go through the hardships of life with difficult people, difficult circumstances, we learn contentment. So ladies, principle number two and the key to contentment is this, learn contentment by the hardships of life. Learn contentment by the hardships of life. Ladies, let the circumstances of your life teach you something valuable. Don't waste your trials. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste the difficult people in your life. Let that 
teach you something and let it teach you contentment. Listen, the Apostle Paul went through a lot of things you and I don't even have to think about, and yet he didn't whine, he didn't complain, he was content. I want you to turn back to 2 Corinthians 11. <clears throat> you think your life's hard. <laughs> in fact, I was reading Debbie a e- uh, text message this morning I got from a, a gal in another state, and I said, boy, we think we have problems. And uh, I started reading this lady's text message to her, everything going on in her life. In fact, when I got done reading it, it was so long, I wrote her back, and I said, I just started reading Job this morning in my personal reading, and I said, you sound like Job. <laughs> and I said, but let me encourage you with Job 23:10, for he knows the way that I take, and when he's tried me, I will come forth as gold, right? That's, that was one of my husband's favorite verses. But let's look at Paul. Notice what he says from verse 24. Well, verse 22, let's start there. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more. Labor's more abundant. Stripes above measure. Prisons more frequently. Death often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was in a shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, weariness, toil, sleeplessness often, hunger, thirst, fasting often, cold, naked, beside the other things which come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and am I not weak? Who is made to stumble and do I not burn with indignation? If I will boast, I will boast of the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ knows I'm not lying. <laughs> in Damascus, the governor, Ardeus, the king, kept the city of the Damascus with the garrison, desiring to apprehend me. And through a window, I was let down by a basket, down the wall. I escaped from his hands. Sounds like fun, right? <laughs> Would you like to go to school with the Apostle Paul? Doesn't sound like a lot of fun, does it? Done to me. But it's the schooling God used to teach him to be content. Maybe some of you in this room need to pray for more trials, more hardships, so that you can learn contentment. In fact, Paul's life always seemed to be in danger. On two occasions, Jews tried to kill him. As I mentioned in the last session, 25% of his life was spent in prison. You know how Roman imprisonment started? It was preceded by being stripped naked, then flogged, a humiliating, painful, and bloody ordeal. The bleeding wounds went untreated, and so the prisoners would sit in these painful leg or wrist chains with open, bleeding sores. Mutilated, blood-stained clothing was not replaced even in the cold of winter. Remember, in one of his epistles, Paul tells Timothy, please bring me a coat. I'm cold here in prison. Most cells were dark, unbearably cold. Lack of water, cramped quarters, and sickening stench from few toilets made sleeping difficult and waking hours miserable. Male and female prisoners were incarcerated together, which led to sexual immorality, abuse. Prison food, when available, was poor. And as I mentioned, uh, most prisoners ask for a speedy death, and a lot of them just committed suicide. Twenty. 5% of his time there. Very different from our prisons where you get to go to the canteen, get a snicker bar if you want. You have a computer, you can work, you can work out. You have a bed to sleep on. Nothing like that in Paul's day. 
We might well, Susan, he got to travel on ships, you know, the carnival cruise and go on these boat rides. Yeah, he did travel more than halfway around the world covering 8,000 miles. But ladies, even when he did go on the ship, again, they, they had to pay and there was no water, hardly any water, any food on the ships. And remember, the greatest danger was sailing in winter and the shipwrecks. And he mentions what, three times I was in a shipwreck one time I was floating open in the sea. That sounds really creepy, right? But he learned to be content. You know, I had hoped that COVID-19 might change some of us, you know, when we were all shut down and we were without a lot of the things that we enjoyed so much that Americans would learn to be content. I remember after 9-11, a year after 9-11, my husband asked his sheep, how many of you have changed the way you've lived since 9-11? It was a year later. Not one hand went up. Not one hand. Sometimes those things are short-lived. You know, I'm gonna, this is going to be a forever game changer in my life. Ladies, I think the reason that American Christians are discontent is because we have so much. We have so much. Do you know Americans spend more on storage units than they do combined every year with McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King? We spend more on storing our stuff up in those storage units in a year than we do at McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King. And you know how we love our fast food, right? We're not content. I think often we are like the church at Laodicea in Revelation that John says you're rich and increased with goods and little do you know, you're blind, you're miserable, you're wretched, and you are naked. All right. There is so much to discuss there, my love. Do you want to go ahead and start kind of your top two? Sure. Something I've been growing more and more aware of is that she, what she said about contentment, not being osmosis. Mm -hmm. She highlighted that in her own life about not magically being content after becoming a widow. And what I find so interesting and convicting is she didn't give herself an out by being a widow. I mean, losing a husband who's been a best friend for 40 plus years and then losing him quickly and suddenly needing to operate independently is really, really high, if not the highest on the tough trial list. And most of us would give someone a pass, you know, for complaining or negativity, yet she doesn't. And that really speaks to me that contentment isn't what I feel or what I naturally become, but something that I must focus on and work out. That's really good. And one other thing, which is similar, but a nuance is when she said, let the hardship of life teach you. Mm. And I think that kind of goes with the last point, but is more on the action side. Like don't view your hardships as obstacles, but rather as opportunities or even objectives. Like the sovereign Lord put those challenges in your path for you to turn and trust him and learn how to navigate with more Christ-centered reliance and more resilient spiritual strength. That'll preach. Amen. Trials are not obstacles, but opportunities. Hashtag beautiful Brie on oh, that one. dear. What about you? There's only one thing that I would add to that, and this may be real stuff in real life for some people listening. Um, if it's been a hard week, a tough month, or even a challenging year, um, taking what you just said there in the affirmative, but then putting it in the negative like Susan did, she said, don't waste that trial and go into the school of contentment with Paul. And then she described the horrendous imprisonment Paul faced, flogging, rotting feet, pussing sores, abuse, but Paul didn't waste it. He decided the Lord had something for him in it. Mm. So he locked in, 
And isn't it remarkable that from that moment in the dark cell, that words flowed from his pen that have changed the world and encouraged countless Christians when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Isn't that amazing that even in a dark yeah. cell, even when the bills aren't paid, even when your spouse has walked out, even when your child's gone prodigal, even when your health's on to the climb, you can say, I'm content. I'm in Christ and he's enough. And she quotes Job 23, 10. Mm. When he puts me to the test, I will come out as gold. Amen. So date night fam, if it's by chance been one of those weeks, um, and I don't know everyone and I don't know where you're at and what's going on in your life, but please know that the Lord sees you. He loves you. He's allowed this test for you. Turn to him in it and know that he will meet you there. Amen. Heavenly Father, we know some of our online family are hurting a bit extra this week and the trials are pressing in. Please give them perspective right now that you have allowed this, that you are doing doing this with a purpose and help them to embrace the uncertainty by embracing you and strengthen them, establish them, confirm them to be steadfast and immovable in their faith. We ask in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Date night fam, please message us anytime for prayer. And we look forward to hanging again in seven days. A special thanks to Mission Bible and Ethan, our producer. Until next time, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. And you don't look pregnant. Oh, thanks, my love. A little too late.